What if I told you those scattered Google notes, draft social posts, and notebooks filled with unshared stories could be a fast pass to a more fulfilling life waiting for you, but only if you publish them. Learning to just press publish changed my life for the better as a woman, mom, and writer. Now I wanna create the same transformation for you. I'm your host, Erin Galloway, multi-passionate author and ally for storytellers. I started Habitize Publishing to support storytellers, including kids, CEOs, senior citizens, and now you, to share your voices and spark more joy than you ever thought was possible. I hope after today's episode, you'll publish one piece you've been holding back on and see where the journey takes you. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Press Publish podcast. I am here with someone who actually helped start Habitize Publishing. He didn't know it at the time, but he was secretly a part of our expanded model moving from professional journals for coaches and therapists and transitioning into the space of children's books with an illustrator friend of ours who really had quite a few clients that had considered writing, had illustrations ready to go, but didn't quite have someone to help them publish. And so we started launching the children's book section of Habitize Publishing, and we're introduced to Brandon as someone who really had a beautiful and thoughtful story to share right before the holidays and the timing worked out great. And Brandon and Justin really clicked as an illustrator and a writer. And his very first book launched just last year. And he'll get to share the second book launch with all of you as well. So Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Erin. Happy to be here. (laughs) This is really fun because when Brandon was introduced to us, it was through a mutual friend and we had just sort of entered the space of children's book publishing. And we had a little bit of a system down based on some experience we had, but we did not have sort of the checklists and the process that we have today. And Brandon, you just went with it. You rode the rave with us and knew that at least you had a good landing spot to get your first book published. But if you can share with anyone that's listening, what made you actually say, I'm going to take this story that I have and actually pursue publishing this year? So I had held on to that story for about 17 years. So my oldest son will be, he'll be 17 in July. So I actually wrote it before he was born and had drawn a lot of the illustrations, but then had never finished. So everything was on paper. So that was at the age of not having that much digital stuff. I mean, there was, but I didn't have it. So every year at about October, something like that, I decided to, you know, try and um, to try and get it published or to try and do something on my own. And um, as you had said, the mutual friend that we had hooked, hooked us up together because you were just starting to have an interest in, in pursuing the children's book side of it. So the, all the components kind of clicked. It was probably about October again last year, 2022. So like I said, every every fall I tried to get it across the finish line and I just never did. So the story remained the same across, you know, all those years. And there was a little bit of tweaks and things like that, that once um, Aaron and um, 
Justin, can I say Justin? I guess I'll say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and Justin, the illustrator, uh, helped me work through. And then there were some additions that were added to the book that then they were characters kind of in the back of my head, but then they were characters that were able to be extended into the next book as well. So, so the first point, the first book was a jumping off point for me to do more, but the original story um, still held that main character as Clyde who perseveres and, and believes in himself. And then, you know, basically not autobiographical in any sense, but gets across the finish line with what he wants to do. So that's kind of what happened with me as well. Um, and it came out just in time for Christmas. So it was, I think, November that we launched and, and it did, yeah, it did really well. So then, you know, I wanted to do more. So then that's when the, the second book came into play. So. And how did it feel taking your story first, sharing it with complete strangers and then second, seeing those first illustrations, like those sketches of Clyde come back. How did that feel to you in like really moving forward in the process? It made it feel real because at that point it was not, it was real in my head, but it wasn't real that it would be in a venue that could be seen by a lot of different people across, you know, across the country. It just made that a real uh, a real thing for me and then sprouting off of that to see reviews that came back on it or to hear uh, people that read it to their kids and you know what their favorite character was for their kids and things like that and it was just the the thought of it becoming real for me but then actually being in someone else's hand that something that I wrote is is you know maybe somebody's Christmas story for, you know, the following year, or, you know, maybe it becomes, you know, something in their household that they go back to each year. To me, that's just a feeling that I don't, I don't think until you do it, you're never going to know, but it's, it's really kind of humbling that, that you know, that your words are out there at, for everybody to see. But I mean, yeah, the first illustrations, cause, cause Justin did take, he, he was very careful in taking like everything I had drawn that I had shared with them and he made it his own, but they were still characters that I could see my drawings into. So that was, that was awesome. I think that was one of the reasons why we clicked so well too. So he, uh, um, like he understood the, the care and everything that I had taken into it, but then not been able to push it across. And then, you know, you and, and Justin just made it a reality for me. And because of the openness that you had to having the story out there and then you and Justin working together on the illustrations. I think unlike a traditional publishing experience, you really had this opportunity to work with Justin and evolve parts of the illustrations in ways that you probably would not have been able to do in traditional publishing. Like there were certain icons that we were able to add that were personal to your family that we could put in little secret places that you could then tell your kids like, oh, do you catch that within the story that maybe the broader public wouldn't ever put together, but it personalized the experience for you. So can you talk about for anyone listening that is considering self-publishing, 
like how you went about that and maybe a couple of examples of where you personalize the illustrations for your family? Yeah, most definitely. I think you kind of hit hit the nail on the head because probably in a traditional sense of publishing, they're not going to give you that many avenues to add in that creativity part to it. I mean, yeah, it's your story, but, you know, self-publishing makes it really your story. So what I did is went through and asked, you know, my two, my sons, you know, what their kind of favorite things are that they would want to see in the book. And then the scavenger hunt that we added is actually everybody's favorite feature. So, um, so Dylan, uh, Dylan's my oldest son. So this was who the book was originally written for. Um, he loves like anything with drawing and things like that. So a pencil was his. So there's a pencil hidden multiple places um, behind TM, uh, TM Burr's ear. And, um, and a lot of the characters are based on people that I know, like TM is based off my grandfather who could kind of build anything. So, um, so, th so there's little personal touches in there. And like I said, with the pencil and then rivers, river loves bacon. So we have a, a glass bacon ornament. So it's actually hidden within there. Um, and then some of the other characters that are our favorites are hidden in there. But like I said, those characters then sprouted into having a life of their own because then they became individualized within that and, you know, can grow into the next book or the next book after that. But yeah, that personal touch was what made it so unique and so awesome for me because I don't think I would have had that in a traditional venue. Um, and the um, kind of the awesomeness that Aaron and Justin had to accept those and then let them go in there and then even give me more ideas that, oh, why don't you do this or this that would play into that and have more kind of anticipation for finding those different, those different things that are hidden. And then I even extended that into the next book. So then there's a scavenger hunt within it too. But I've always loved that kind of thing, like hidden stuff in books, because I think it gives more meaning to not only the author, but it actually gets people involved in the book again after you've read it. So then you can go back in. And that was what was cool about talking to different people who've read it to their kids because they wanted to go back in and count however many um, mice are in it, or however many pieces of bacon mm -hmm. or um, how many pencils. So things like that. Yeah. And you, you know, we tried to find elements to personalize the whole experience, both the illustrations, the story, even down to how we prepared decisions for KDP, right? Mm -hmm. We even made the date in which you published have a personal touch for you that the general public doesn't even need doesn't need to know, mm -hmm. right, that that date has special meaning. But as someone who is choosing to self-publish, where you have opportunities to customize, it's nice to have that flexibility in doing it. Right. Yeah. So that was, so the date we actually set to publish, I think it, not sure if it came out sooner than that, or it came out, I guess, after that, but we actually picked uh, November 9th, which is my dad's birthday. So that was, that was a pretty cool thing for me to be able to say what date it's going to get published and, you know, have that personal touch to it that I was able to share with him. And he really liked that. And like I said, with other characters that are in it that I based off of um, other people, 
in my life. Like, for example, the beaver, that would, that's my dad's dad. So that was special to him as well. So I think that's the coolest thing too about self-publishing because then within that realm, you can do not kind of whatever you want because you want to have readers and stuff like that and you want them to be involved, but you can do those little personal touches that make it so much more special for you. So you get to the point where we've like checked all the boxes, right? We've crossed all the T's, dot all the I's, figured out the cover, made the whole plan and the sales copy. And it comes to pressing publish for it mm -hmm. actually, right, to go into review and hopefully, right, get up on Amazon on our first try. And so what for you, if you remember, sort of was that feeling of, you press publish, right? And the screen pops up and says like, right, this is real. And then you get the email that says like, your book is now published and available on Amazon. Can you describe, if you remember, what that feeling was like and who you told immediately about it being available? I mean, the coolest thing is, is once you push that button, that part's instantaneous. The hardest part is waiting for that email to come back to say, hey, it got approved so then once it is i you know immediately told my immediate family but um but then um you know once once it was ready to go and once we knew you know i i you know kind of broadcast it to everybody that that i knew you know people that i grew up with and you know and other people and they were just you know kind of floored that uh you know that i had a book out there so so I guess that's the coolest thing, because once you see that, yes, it's, you know, it's, it's on Amazon, you know, it's available, but then you see that, you know, that's, you can go to that page and that's you. I mean, that's just, it's really, really cool to, like I said, to know that somebody in Alaska could buy that book, you know, somebody that you've never even met before can buy that book. And maybe it creates a story that they can go back to, to tell their kids or, you know, gives a kid that has, you know, maybe like, you know, low self-esteem or things like that gives them an avenue that they can say, oh man, I really relate to Clyde and he kept trying. I'm going to keep trying too. So you know, just things like that, the personal, um, the personal touch points afterwards, after somebody read your book, I think that's the coolest part, but especially pushing that button because that's it. I mean, that's, that's, you're you know you're done then it's it's out there i think that's that's just an amazing feeling so if, if nobody's ever done it i think you have to do it at least once but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well and you very much so we got you know together we got to that place but really at that point what happens after that is more driven by you right we're mm -hmm. very honest and that our sweet spot is helping authors you know get to the place where their book is published but what you sort of worked through, you have, you know, you have experience in graphics and marketing, but it's very different when you go mm -hmm. to try to figure out your own plan, mm -hmm. right? Working for others or being a part of other teams, um, you can leverage that experience, but you just went for it and you're right. like, okay, regardless of exactly how everything's going to look. I'm just going to keep talking about my book and sharing images and you created your own little countdown and right. You did all these different pieces that helped people consistently see your book in your social feed. 
-hmm. which in many ways then connected it to you getting some really great reviews out of the gate. And the reviews kept growing even as you got closer to Christmas. And that's really a, you know, a commitment to your own work and a credit to you that you didn't just sort of push publish, cross your fingers, and then, if you will, sort of be questioning the results, like you went for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, most definitely. And I'm lucky enough to have my wife that backs it and helps me. And she helped me with a lot of the initial social posts that we did, um, you know, thank yous and things like that for the reviews. Um, but that, that experience going through that actually helps you in the end because you, you have a personal touch point at that, at that part, you're, you're in charge of whether that book's going to get read by somebody else, um, or is just going to sit and be a number in, in Amazon. And I think that's the hardest part too, is what, when you watch like your, so you can't do that. You can't like watch your book, like go up and down on the things in, in Amazon. It's not um, like the stock exchange where no, you can like not, watch it every day. No, you can't do that because that'll just like irritate you. Um, so, so, I mean, the coolest thing is find different, the Christmas one was, you know, pretty special because it was just, it was Christmas, but you could figure out ways to link it to other things. Um, and then especially with, you know, like any book that would go after that, you always have the chance to link back to that original book. And I think the learning curve of it, the that's the best part for me because I'm very, um, and I apologize for it immensely many times, I think to Aaron, but I'm very like hands-on. So I like to figure out things that are gonna, like how this next step is gonna help something else or or go into how can I make this better so then this this um, has a better response or things like that. So I'm constantly always doing that and trying to figure out new ways to not necessarily to market it. I mean, that's, that's the ideal that you want it to be in as many hands as possible, but to, um, you know, to make it more special, to make it to where people can connect with that character. And then they see that character and they say, Oh, that's Clyde. You know, that's, whoever. I mean, that's kind of what you want. You kind of want your characters to live on, I guess. And that's the hardest part because you do have to do that kind of as a constant thing. And, um, and I haven't been as good on it with the last one just because works, you know, uh, gets in the way sometimes, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, to me, it's fun. It's fun to figure out different ways that you can do social posts that are going to have interest and bring people into uh, the characters even though they might just see one of the characters, maybe they'll, you know, that'll generate interest in um, reaching out and purchasing that book or, um, you know, they already have it and then just, you know, make it a staple in their house. So, so yeah. yeah and you, you had the first one, right? So you went through the holidays, you had, you know, a positive feeling of both the experience of publishing and marketing and mm -hmm. learned a lot from the first process. And that really inspired you to move forward and take sort of the next idea that to you is that evolution of the story. Mm -hmm. And you were really honest and we wanted to support you from the beginning of the second one. You don't want it just done for you. You want to be able to learn how the process works. Mm -hmm. And for us, like there's, you know, that's the goal. It's for mm -hmm. us, it's more for Justin and myself. It's a bit more of a train the trainer type style and the way that we work with 
with authors is that we don't want to have to create a codependent relationship on each other. We want you to be able to do it, which is why a lot of the tools that we use are very accessible and very simple. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, right? Sometimes, sometimes you would dive into the story and I'd be like, oh goodness, I messed something up. I'm supposed to fix it. And Brandon would be like, no, no. I fixed it the way I wanted back out. Like, and so it was an interesting dynamic for both of us. But you, you know, I knew that you were so excited about the second book that it was something that for you could spark a third or a fourth or however many you chose. If together we, you created a system that you could maintain beyond mm -hmm. just working with our team. So tell the audience more about how you came up with this second story and then how that process felt a little different from the first experience. The first. So the second story actually sprouted from all of the characters that are in the uh, scavenger hunt. So the scavenger hunt in the original one had a raccoon, an owl, and a mouse, and then Clyde, and then of course, TM, the beaver. So... I love to write anyway. So anytime I get a chance to do that, I'll do it. So that's, I actually wrote that story in, I don't even know, I think it was January, right after the first one was published. So that excitement for getting that first one published actually pushed me to want to do more. So that process for having Habitize and Aaron and Justin help me get that one across the finish line made me motivated to do to do more and see how far I can push these characters. And these characters are now, you know, become a superhero team, which is pretty cool. And then they, you know, they, they fight to save animals that can't help themselves and, you know, parts of the environment, things like that. So the coolest part with this, the, with the new one was the story. Yes, it was written, but I was able to involve my kids in it too, which I couldn't do that with the original one. That story you know, was already in place and I didn't really want to change that. But, um, you know, there would be new art that came in each day and then, you know, the pages would be attached to it, you know, the text and everything like that. And I would, you know, each day ask the kids, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And they would have their, you know, little input and things like that. And I guess that was the, the best thing for me, even though I, I hated doing that be, to, to Aaron because I felt very guilty and she knows that, but because I've apologized many times, but it was okay. so nice because the kids, the kids now they can see parts of that book that they had an influence on. So that, that was what was most important to me. Um, yes, it's important for me to get that to other people too, so they can read it. But the fact that Lemmy the raccoon has wristbands that have trash cans on them. So that was like one of Dylan's ideas. So, you know, that was something that you know, and then he said, I think, you know, he wanted to color them red. So, so there's just little tidbits that are in there that only I kind of know that they know, then they'll be able to share that with other people in their lives. So I think that was what was really important for me to have the ability to make those choices with being a self-published that way, I would never would have had that in a traditional sense, so, you know, like traditional publisher is going to say, no, we're not doing that, you know, but this, that didn't happen. So that was, that was, that's something to instill in people. If they want to do this, those personal touches are what are going to make the book important to you and important to other people in your life. 
I think that is so true because there, when you go to choose to publish, mm -hmm. there are so many outcomes that can come out of the experience. Some that you hope, you know, you sort of plan for, right? You set some goals and others that you just can't see coming until after I'm, you know, you press publish first time, maybe you press publish again. And some of them have nothing to do with anyone else, but the author. To your point that being able to involve your family in the in every step of the process is creating memories that you as your family get to hold on to and your kids get to pass on as part of the stories of your family. And sometimes that can be the ultimate goal of publishing a book is just creating memories in a unique way that bring a family together or bring a story to life that had been holding on to for 17 years like you had. Mm -hmm. And so it points in the process, you were honest with us that, sure, you had sales goals. Mm -hmm. Those were, you know, reasonable, right? You, you understand that, but you were exceeding the goals that you had set for the whole publishing experience for us was the most rewarding to be able to give to you and your family. Yeah, it's an incredible feeling. It's it's um it's kind of surreal because you've like I said, you've created something that you can go online and you see, oh, that's there. I did that. It's there, you know, forever. I mean, as long as you have it up on the site. I think the coolest thing is finding new avenues that you can get the book out there or talk to people who can help you get um different different places where you'd want to go there's a few couple things i have going on this summer and then you know some other people that i've talked to and things like that to try and get more interest in the book and that never would have happened had i not done the first book so had i not taken that jump and and stepped and said hey i'm going to do this this year you know no matter what that never would have brought me to the point where i am now where i have two books and I mean, that's the coolest thing too, because you can sit there and say, Hey, I'm a published author now. So, I mean, that's, you know, you don't not snooty about it or anything, but it's pretty cool to say, you know, I'm, I've, I'm a published author. <laughs> <laughs> that should feel cool. Right. Cause that is on a lot of people's sort of bucket lists and they say to themselves, right. There's so many barriers to entry to getting into mm -hmm. a published book that those barriers prevent them from moving forward. And you just at some point instinctually felt like now is the time mm -hmm. I'm going to do it again. It's a, in, in the initial process, you had your creative vision was brewing for mm -hmm. other books and other characters, but still for you at the be very beginning, it was, if I just published this one, there was a, a level of satisfaction and joy that you were going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And so when you get to the second one, right? You launched the second book. What for you did you realize feels a little bit different after the second book launch from the first? Both sort of the pros and cons, right? What did you learn about yourself as an author, now a two book author at that point? I think probably the, the fact that, hey, you're in charge of these, these two things that have been created now. Like you're in charge of them getting a more broader bandwidth. So that's kind of scary because you're you're in that realm where these books are kind of almost like your children, you know, you're trying to, to take care of them, but then you have to make sure they 
they exceed your expectations and go to meet as many people as, as they can or whatever. <laughs> I think the neatest thing, and Justin had said it when we were doing the second book, um, he's, and I don't remember the exact thing he said, but it was kind of like, okay, this is, this is kind of like world building. So this is pretty cool. So I think that was something else that came out of it that I never really had the thought to make Clyde a character that's going to, you know, go into and have more adventures rather than just guiding Santa's sleigh or whatever in the first book. So, so at that point, I kind of thought, well, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to make these characters kind of real for kids, you know, so they, they can relate to them and then they can say which one's their favorite one. And that's the coolest part about the second one, because, you know, the people that I've talked to, I always ask, well, what's your favorite character? You know, cause now I have five characters that they can pick from, you know, rather than just the one. And, you know, you have a difference for, for all of the kids, you know, like one kid really likes Fritz the mouse because he, in fact, she said, zoom, zoom. So that, you know, cause he's, he runs fast. So it's just, you know, different things. And then, you know, you have kids who like the owl Everly and it's just neat to be able to have created those characters, but then kids can relate to them in a certain way because those characters relate to them in a certain way. I think it's kind of twofold. It's, it's hard because you know that you're in charge of getting this, uh, like you don't have a marketing department behind you. You don't, you know, you're it. You're so, so, so that's kind of intense and, and, and sits on you sometimes. But then the fact that you know that you could do more of these or that, you know, there's, you know, different ways that you can figure out to, to market these and things like that. I think that's, that's the next point of it is figuring out those those unknowns because you've already crossed the first unknown you made the book it's just an experience that you know i'd love to do again so, <laughs> <laughs> so. well in being a part of your journey i also know that there are other things that you've done that you had never done before and they may seem small but like anybody who has a vision as you go to experience new things you're like oh well i got over that fear now i can get mm -hmm. over this next fear and there was one time where you and i did an instagram live and you had not done one of those before yeah. so there were other things that come out of the process that are that can sort of bring some new energy and life into just you as a person mm -hmm. that you're like oh well choosing to be an author showed me I could do that piece. So what mm -hmm. else is possible if I just keep saying yes to new opportunities that this book will present me to? Yeah, that was pretty cool because I wasn't even, I wasn't even on Instagram at that time. So then you're my catalyst for being on Instagram. So now I like look to see how many like followers I have, which is kind of <laughs> So, um, so yeah, but it, it, it's pretty cool because it gave you, gave me a different avenue that I could use to get that out to people but but yes if you if you don't take that first step just because you're afraid you're going to fall then you never realize what could have been mm. um and the more could have been that you take the better off you're going to be to try and fulfill the person that you want to be because i mean everybody can have a job but not everybody can like you said it before, cross off things on their bucket list, but kind of follow their dream. You know, I mean, I've always wanted to be a writer, but all different obstacles always get in your way. But now I can say, hey, I am a writer. I, you know, I published two books. 
Um, so now what's the next what if that I have to cross? But to me, you always have to cross that what if, because um, like I said, you never realize what what will be. I think that that is a great note for us to end on because we're about to do a what if as well, which is to read your book as part of our <laughs> podcast. So I think we'll create, you know, we'll open up another experience for you in just a moment. But if people wanted to come follow you as an author and find the books that you wrote, can you tell them where to find you and the names of both of the books that you have on Amazon? Yeah. So right now, both, yeah, both books, you can find me if you type in my name, Brandon Detweiler in, which is pretty cool, in Amazon. So now I'm like a search thing. So the first one is Clyde the Reindeer Learns to Fly. And then the second one is The Amazing Critter Rescue Crew, The Call of Destiny. And then I'm also on Instagram. And that is basically Brandon and then underscore M and then underscore Detweiler. And then also on Facebook. So then I post pretty regularly. I haven't lately, so which is a pain to me, which I need to get on. I mean, there's also an avenue. You can reach me on like LinkedIn, but I mean, kids aren't going to be on LinkedIn. So, well, hopefully kids aren't going to be on like Instagram or Facebook either. But um, so that, that too is just my name on LinkedIn. So yeah, there's various avenues that you can can reach me and then there's other things that I you know that I have ideas to do too in fact Justin had asked about maybe a web comic so I'm hoping to figure out something to do with that maybe later on with like a you know a newsletter for people to sign up to where they get you know maybe a web comic every month that you know shows kind of a backstory of each one of the characters maybe them using their powers or figuring out ways to use their powers and things like that I love it well, for this extended episode, are you ready to read your book to our audience? I am. Okay. I will let you take it away. Okay. This is The Amazing Critter Rescue Crew, The Call of Destiny. Okay. So, coming straight off his Christmas Eve adventures, Clyde the Reindeer headed back to his home in Northern Arizona. His dream of helping to guide Santa's sleigh had been fulfilled as he sat back in his recliner sipping eggnog, he wondered where his life would go from here. Before drifting off, he was jolted awake by the sounds of static and a squeaky voice coming from his logging hard hat with the extra bright halogen bulb. It was Pinky. You see, before the package run with Santa, Pinky the elf had fitted the hard hat with a radio transmitter for quick communications. Clyde knew that voice quite well. He had heard it many times on Christmas Eve, but why was Pinky contacting him now? As the static cleared, Clyde quickly jumped up, grabbed his hard hat hanging on the coat rack by the door, and answered Pinky through its wireless microphone. Come in, Pinky. This is Hot Rod Hooves. What's the issue? Santa had given Clyde that special handle, so he's very proud to answer back using it. There was a bit more static and long buzzing sound. Then Pinky asked Clyde to meet him at TM Burr's Beaver Lodge and Workshop on the banks of Fossil Creek. Clyde was so excited, he bounced into the air, spilling his cup of eggnog in the process. Just last month, T.M. Bird closed down the local nine beaver logging and forest engineering company because of a special project that came up. Could Pinky, could Pinky be a part of that project? Clyde was overjoyed. He put his hard hat on and flew out the door. Clyde whizzed like a rocket over the hills and meadows to the banks of Fossil Creek, where T.M. Burr had his abode that doubled as a workshop and lodge. Standing in front of the large silver, silver leaf oak door, he suddenly realized that he had never actually been inside. Just when Clyde was about to knock, Pinky opened the door, rushed out, and gave Clyde an enormous hug. Then TM popped his head out of the doorway and waved at Clyde with glee. 
Clive thought how nice it was to be back with his old friends again. They stepped inside Mr. Burr's home and Clyde could not believe his eyes. It was a technological landscape full of whirring machines, blinking lights, and robotic gizmos. Although the Beaver Lodge and workshop looked normal on the outside, it was a world of excitement and wonder on the inside. Clyde made the mistake of touching a particularly interesting globe of dancing and pulsing energy shot up into the air from a sharp jolt of electricity. For a second, his antlers went straight and he noticed that his tail was singed and smoking. TM shook his head and told Clyde not to touch anything. Then Pinky walked up to Clyde with another elf at his side. As the other elf held out his hand to introduce himself, Clyde noticed that he was a full head taller than Pinky with a barrel of a stomach and cookie crumbs on his velvety green jacket. Pinky told Clyde that this was Bartholomew as they shook hand to hoof. The burly elf told Clyde that he could call him Bart and went on to say that he was a forest elf in charge of a special operations team formed to help the environment and creatures in need. Apparently, it was not just by chance that Clyde was chosen to guide the sleigh on Christmas Eve. Bart told him that the forest elves wanted to create a separate team of heroes with special powers that are also true of heart to help when nature is in need and the elves can't get there in time. After specifically scoping Clyde out and realizing his strong sense of determination and ability to lead, Santa and Pinky told Bart about him. Clyde's eyes lit up and he grinned from ear to ear. He was very much up to the task. Bart went on to say that the magical snowflakes from the North Pole would grant specific powers to other animals the same way that they gave Clyde enhanced strength and the ability to fly. Clyde knew about the flying part, and now that he thought about it, he was feeling a lot stronger. The beaming smiles did, still did not leave his face. He was so excited to be a part of a team again, he immediately asked Bart if there were other animals like him. Quick with a grin and a spray of cookie crumbs, Bart said, well, certainly, my boy, follow me and I'll introduce you to the other recruits. Clyde followed close behind as Bart happily told him that TM was also a part of the special team. All the forest elves were so in awe that TM had tried to use all his skills and knowledge to find ways to help Clyde fly. They decided that he was a shoe-in to be a member of the team. You see, after TM had eaten the North Pole snowflake, his intelligence and IQ shot through the roof. Not only was he the smartest animal that Clyde knew, he was now the smartest animal that anyone knew. It appeared that the snowflake gave him the power to create any technolo technological wonder he could imagine. Tim would be an asset to the team indeed, and Clyde was very happy to know that his friend was a part of it. Abruptly, Bart stopped in front of a trio of forest creatures that Clyde knew very, very well. There was Fritz the Mouse, who occasionally lived in Clyde's house and was a fantastic companion on his original quest to fly. Then Clyde noticed that Lemmy the Raccoon was leaning against one of T.M. Burr's machines with his legs crossed and a sly look on his face. Finally, on a perch above Lemmy was the keen and wise Everly the Barn Owl. She was as majestic as she was kind-hearted, Clyde could hardly contain his joy in seeing his other friends. Bart went on to say that he thought it was best to create this team of five forest critters because they already shared the special bond of friendship. He and the other forest elves knew that bond would be hard to break and that Clyde and his friends would always have each other's backs. Bart then said that Everly, Fritz, and Lemmy had not yet been given their snowflakes, so Clyde was just in time to see what superpowers his friends would acquire. Suddenly, Pinky appeared with a frost-covered jar that was glowing with a magical blue light. He opened the jar and everyone could feel a sudden burst of cold air escape from under the lid. Clyde was awestruck. Fritz was first, and he was amazed that the snowflake shrank down enough to fit into his paw. He took a small nibble, but quickly devoured the whole thing. For an instant, he, could feel it. he couldn't feel anything different. And then he gave his whiskers a twist and noticed that the world around him was suddenly still, but he could still move. He twisted them again, and everything went back to normal. He shouted at the top of his lungs to his friends that he could stop time. As a group, they all agreed that this will be an awesome power to help animals in need. TM added that he would need to create special devices for each of them so they would be able to move when Fritz uses his newfound power. 
Everly was next. She flew to a nearby workbench, gripped a snowflake in her talon and bit into it. She could feel an immense power building within her. Everly finished the snowflake, flapped her wings and rose into the air. She noticed that the tips of her feathers felt tingly. Then her wings shot bolts of ice across the room, nearly hitting Bart as, we, as he was eating another cookie. He had to dive to the side and looked up with a face full of green icing and a smile. As Everly pushed forward with her wings, a column of air lifted Clyde and Pinky from the workshop floor. TM quickly grabbed onto something to help steady himself. Everly stopped and everyone cheered. It appeared she could create wind and use the moisture in the air to form ice. Finally, Lemmy stepped forward, grabbed the remaining snowflake from Pinky and gulped it down. He felt nothing special until Clyde shouted and said, Lemmy, where did you go? Then Lemmy let out a gasp and appeared to come back into view for everyone else to see. He closed his eyes, focused his mind, looked down at his paw and noticed that it was slowly becoming invisible. He felt his eyes go wide and grinned. Lemmy also noticed that his senses seemed heightened. He felt like he could read what would happen a few seconds from now. In all the excitement, Clyde bumped into Pinky and the frozen jar that held the snowflakes began to slip from his hand. In a flash of gray and black, Lemmy sprang forward, grabbing the jar before it could shatter on the workshop floor. Everyone stared in amazement. The snowflake had given Lemmy enhanced agility that was unparalleled in the critter world. Bart shouted, what a team this will be. The five animal friends beamed with pride and excitement in their eyes, dreaming of all the good they could and would do in their world. They envisioned getting the call for their first mission. Bart quickly snapped them back to reality, and what he said next would stick with them forever. With all the enthusiasm Bart could muster, he exclaimed, well, team, all you need now is a name. And on that day, the amazing Critter Rescue crew was officially formed. They knew they needed training, but each of them also knew that they would do everything together, and that's what would make them amazing. Just then, Bart pulled a small handheld scanner from his velvety green jacket. He told the crew that the five of them were needed in the mountains of western North Carolina to aid a colony of blue ghost fireflies. After hearing about their first mission, five friends placed hoof, paw, and wing together. They promised to always stay true to their hearts and come to the aid of those that cannot help themselves. The five friends would forever be ACRC, the Amazing Critter Rescue Crew. And that's the end. <laughs> I appreciate you reading that story for us. I mean, there's nothing like having an author tell the story in their own voice and their own tone and who knows where this story is going to take us next. <laughs> That's true. The Critter Crew is amazing and they have a lot of different potentials and adventures to go on. So we'll see what comes in their next story, which either it'll be a web-based or a series of newsletters, or we'll turn into another new book at some point in the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully all three, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. So. Well, thank you for your time today. I greatly appreciate it. And Justin and I sincerely appreciate you trusting us with bringing this vision to life for both you and your family. Of course. Thank you so much. <laughs> appreciate All it. right. Well, that concludes this extended episode of the Press Publish podcast. Please go find Brandon either on his social platforms or go support him by purchasing or gifting one of the books that he has on Amazon. And feel free to share this episode with anyone who might have this book and can enjoy following along as Brandon reads the story to them. Okay, friend, are you ready to share one piece of content you've been holding back on? Trust your instincts and press publish. If this episode sparked curiosity in your publishing journey, head over to thehabitizedlife.com for more resources. Or check out the after show with our guests on Instagram at Habitize Life. 
All the links mentioned today are in our show notes. And hey, I'm off to reheat my cup of coffee for the second time today, but I'll meet you back here next week with a fresh cup and a new episode.